welcome back to Your Brain on Positive. All the love and support you need is residing inside of you. And we're going to make it easier to turn it on. I'm delighted that you're here. Welcome to Your Brain on Positive and my special guest, Ace Dolagosa. Wonderful thing about Ace, the first thing I want to point out is just that her name is pronounced exactly the way that it's spelled. And in this day and age, that's a true gift to my mood, which is what positivity is all about. The lack of positivity in my mind is a mood disorder. And part of our journey today is going to be talking about how those disorders played out in Ace's life. But first, Ace, let's start with where you are and who you are. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm currently in Los Angeles, and I am an influencer, entrepreneur, artist, as well as author. Well, there we go, all in a nutshell. Now, I'm just going to ask, you said you recently moved, and where you move now has better energy. What makes the energy better? So I was living on the border between West Hollywood and Hollywood. And at the same time, two people passed away on my floor. Yeah, within like the last four months. So just the energy was pretty intense. Um, And because I'm sensitive to those types of energies, I didn't know what was happening, but I knew I needed to leave. And now we're in a better place. Well, there we go. Cool. You said now we're in a better place. Is is that you and multiple people or you are multiple people? Uh, myself and uh, as well as uh, my colleagues and one of my friends. So I'm really happy that I got to also be in a good space, not just for myself, but for others around me as well. Oh, awesome. And that is so, so critical that we have a village that we are part of. Um, I don't know, um, we're going to go off on a slight tangent because I'm a big follower of Sean Aker, the happiness professor from Harvard. And in one of his books, it was before happiness. He said they'd asked the wrong question in his first book. And in the first book, they were trying to gauge people's positivity, people's um, success rates based on how well they were supported by their communities. Yeah, they were doing a lot of research on Harvard, so how well the community was supporting them. And they realized that didn't give them any indication. There was no correlation. And they did the research again, but they reversed the question. And they started asking, what are you doing to support your community? What have you, who have you supported? And there was a big direct correlation between those who saw themselves as contributing to a community and those who thrived and went on to success. So that's what I just heard you say, is that you see, you get this this community that moved with you, which is really, really cool. Oh, I love that. Yeah, definitely thinking in regards to how there's there's this law of simultaneity of cause and effect that I live by. And I understand that when we give as long as we allow, we can we receive the same in return. And knowing that I had these limitations and this weird energetic fog around me, I knew that I wasn't 
able to contribute to those communities who are the people around me. So being able to take myself out of that situation and understand that I could be a better part in that way, that's brought everything up and the energy up and the elevation of my own spirit. So, Well, bringing up your energy and the elevation of your own spirit is really key. And I am delighted. I'm going to invite you to lean in a little bit to your microphone, just so that we can catch every word that you say. Okay. There's something really wonderful about what you've been up to and what you are up to that I want to make sure that we share, because you've written a couple of books of your own. So what's the story behind each book? Because no book gets written without a story. Yeah, I love that. Volume one and volume two, it's out on Amazon of Master Time. So these books are essentially the way that you can construct a balanced time management. And when I think about time management, I'm not really thinking about managing time, but managing your activities within the hours of the day Mm -hmm. and understanding the small little hacks to help you really embrace the potential of every minute, every second, and every hour. So, Oh, I love that. And we're going to get to some hacks. What prompted you, though, to write that first book? What is the story behind it? What put you in so much need of these skills that you went out and learned them and then decided to share them? Right. So that's a twofold question, and I love it. The first part was, so I left a nine-to-five job when I started influencing and my followers started growing. So I was like, I can do this full-time. Let me just leave the nine-to-five and then go for it. And then when I did, I realized, oh, oh, the nine-to-five was structuring my day for me, not me. I had to actually figure out how to do that on my own. And I hired two life coaches, I believe. Um, one, and then, uh, you know, you try to find the right fit, of course. And the first coach, she was wonderful and great at helping me construct my morning routine. And then the second coach after, he was more of like a, all right, uh, let me balance out that feminine energy with the masculine energy that I know you have. Um, (laughs) So thankfully, I had both of them to really ask the questions I need to ask for myself to understand how, what's important in my life. What is a balanced daily routine? What? are um, the things that I need to decide on first in the morning and how that will lay out the rest of my day. And I was really hoping to grasp that. And then I came across this article by um, SGI Buddhism's The World Tribune. It's about uh, essentially, it's called Master Time, the Sakwakeda president of SGI spoke about this in regards to how you really can harness every second and what seems to take five hours or five weeks can actually take five minutes. All right. I like time bending things. And that's what this sounds like to me. It's like, aha, we get to bend time. So what made you decide to write the book, to put it into a book? So I was, it was the pandemic and it was the what? It was during the pandemic, beginning of the pandemic. Oh, got it. Okay. And I was overhearing a conversation with um, his partner at the time, uh, and he was talking to a professor. The professor was mentioning how, like, 
nobody really knows how to do this. They don't know how to manage their own time because think about it. After the pandemic, people lost their jobs. They couldn't go to school. And there was all this free time that was causing anxiety, depression, um, some sorts of PTSD. And I was like, oh, I know the answer to that. Let me just create the structure because I really wanted to give that to my communities and know that like, if that's really causing all of this anxiety, ooh, I have something that's simple and easy to follow that will help you understand and refine your own, your own personal goals, but at the same time, also be able to manage that time in a structure that's available to you in a format. Cool. So the birth of a book. All right. Now we're going to talk about real-time bidding. From concept to publishing process, what was it like to manage that time? It was... I <laughs> I was a little um I was a little overconfident in thinking that I could publish 12 books in one year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was uh that was a really fun one. Uh I so for the first I, I did publish one book in a month and the second book in in two within that two month frame. Mm-hmm. And then I started realizing you need a team around you that doesn't always work as fast. That doesn't right? always what? Doesn't always work as fast. As you, ah. as you know, as the mind, the thoughts going through your head, as they're also trying to figure out how to put two and two together with your vision. Oh, you mean um, you haven't found the team that could actually read your mind and keep up with the activities as fast as you could think of them? Uh, you know, I don't know if that's, <laughs> that's not always um, hmm, fair. Yeah, it's really not. I get this. It's really not. Um, And wouldn't it be nice? It would be nice. And it's understanding that, you know, many in body and one mind type of situation where everyone and then everyone is on the same page. But that doesn't always mean like people's egos will get in the way. Murphy's Law, all these different aspects that could possibly come in and derail you. And it's um, it was good to understand and learn. but then. You know, in divine timing, there's a reason why there's a stop to something, right? Always. There's always a reason that something comes along to push my pause button. Exactly. And it's usually because there's a piece of wisdom that you didn't receive yet. There's a tool that you didn't learn yet. There's something that's coming in that you have to learn so that you have the best books out there instead of it just being fluff. So the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, it's a 12 book series books. I have them all laid out and they're, and I'm inputting all the wisdom that I'm receiving every day, but I am noticing that the reason why I couldn't do three or four in the, that amount of time was because there are certain aspects that I need to learn in order for that to make the perfect fit in those books, if that makes sense. So I'm letting that come as it goes. Uh, I'm allowing myself to receive what I need when I need it. That's a beautiful gift of giving yourself back a lot of time because we could spend a lot of our time worried about things that are really not yet ours to worry about. Exactly. It keeps your sanity. And that's that's the one thing that I really, really, really would love to keep intact for the rest of my life. There you go. Yeah, it sounds like a plan. All right. So keeping your sanity. Boy, I remember those uh, 
lot of commercials and things around us. There was a whole series of uh, craziness um, decades ago. People trying to stop what they thought was the insanity. And now, geez, we're talking 30, 40 years later, we are dealing with something that wasn't even conceived of back then. And none of us had the skills we needed to manage stress which is another aspect of managing time for me because I've found out watching myself, learning about myself is that if I really want to get stressed, all I have to do is buy into the belief that I don't have enough time to get something done. Yes. And that belief system, that was one of my big triggers for a really long time. You know, now I've got my own uh, ways of working with my belief systems, you know, walking that particular elephant. When it comes to time management and this whole journey that you're on, that you take your followers on, what's the biggest myth that people have that they have to give up in order to actually implement what you've created, which is so elegantly simple? There's a really beautiful quote that... um Somebody said to me once, actually, I, I don't think they said it to me. They, I, I saw it in a movie um, or a TV show called Arcane. This girl in this story is talking about, if only I could have done this at that time. Only I did this. And that is the fastest way to drive yourself nuts. If you're like, because you can't go back in time to do anything, but you can do something in the present. If only, if only, if only you're spending time and moments in regret when what you should be doing is seeing what it is for what it, you know, exactly what happened. And then in that moment, seeing the resolution, understanding, okay, this is, this is where I went wrong. This is how I can go right. Now, how do I do that with a little bit of interest? How do I do that with a little bit of interest? Unpack that sentence for me. I went into financial grammar there. So <laughs> essentially, like, let's say I wanted to be a model at one point, right? I thought it was, you know, for, if only I had this, if only I started classes early, if only I'd, right? Hmm. But then I got a modeling opportunity like that when I became an influencer. And a little bit of interest, I actually walked in the front of the runway for three designers in the show, basically bringing in not just only being a model and like, let's say doing a runway show once, I was able to be like the frontliner of the show. And that was like a little bit of interest. Being open to the fact that it doesn't have to look the way you thought it was going to look is what exactly. part of what I'm hearing. Yeah, it never usually is. Um, a lot of people think that we... <laughs> A lot of people are like, all right, so you have to have this, you have to have that, you have to, these are the requirements, here's the report card, you know, this is where, this keeps me in good standing as a human being, and then here's the track that I can go on that air quotes is linear. That's not really, it's not always going to go that way, and it's okay if it doesn't. This concept of hacking linear time, I absolutely love, because I think you've hit upon it. People forget that we really don't... In, and maybe I'm. this is my interpretation of what you've been saying. We really only have now, we have an illusion of past and future because they're not real. And we spend a lot of our time arguing with what is real. 
which is our now. So if we were going to give people a quick way to get themselves back into just being present and out of the past and and out of the future and, and being present where they can actually be open and take a different action, what would you tell them? So a big part of understanding time and managing one's own activities comes with self-reflection. Really reflect in, in silence as to what has happened in the past 24 hours or the amount of time. And don't beat yourself up over it. Just really look at it as it is. And if you need somebody to guide you through that, a therapist, etc., do that. Seriously, do it. Yeah. When in doubt, get a guide. Exactly. And then point out exactly which parts you're like, oh, I could have, let's say, um, instead of playing video games, um, overly playing video games, I think playing video games sometimes is actually helpful. Um, but instead of being in fear of something mm. and then distracting with this, like a video game, substances, ETC, you have that moment right now to really shift and choose something different. Cool. Now learn what that is. Once you do, everything else falls away. Oh, that's a lovely way of expressing that. You know, a minute ago, you said you fell into financial lingo. And my brain went, oh, yeah, there's this um, cultural connection between time and money. So let's take a whack at that. Oof, okay, this is fun. All right, let's do that. <laughs> I have like a really cool experience about that too. Oh, you take us into the story because I love to be told a story. I never grew up. It's like, tell me a story. Oh, I love it. So, you know, I learned recently there's like this little hack when it comes to being able to manifest money like that. You know how millionaires, billionaires, they move money, they lose money, but just as they lost it, they can receive it. Mm -hmm in no time at all. And that's a big contribution to being a millionaire or billionaire is that one hack. And it's, it was so interesting because I did grow up with like, you know, school of hard knocks, like, Hey, you earn money by this. You spend amount of time here. This is how much money you're, you're going to get. You spend enough time here. This is how much you're going to get. Um, depending on the value of your work, put an hourly rate on that. That's how much you should receive. I don't know if that system is really going to work anymore <laughs> because it's putting people into these essentially imprisonments of being a slave to money for a certain hour and being locked into that. Go ahead. Right. Back to the story. I want to know what that was like for you. What were you doing? How many hours were you working? Who was you? What, where, what was that jail like for you? Thank you. Uh, so I was working, um, I was working a, corporate job in TV development and another corporate job also in finance and accounting, but for a talent agency. And I remember sitting there getting my work done. Like I, and I, I remember they tried to overload me with a bunch of tasks at once, but then time management skills were there. Um, <laughs> and I was able to essentially take what used to take somebody two years to complete to two hours in the, uh, on a Monday. Ooh, 
and just sit there. And then all of a sudden, because my systems were in place and I was sitting there, all I had to do was essentially be at work maybe three days out of the work uh, out of the out of the week to get things done instead of the full nine uh what was it i think it was 9 30 to 6 30 mm-hmm. a week where i started feeling more and more miserable and i was making more money when i wasn't sitting at that desk <laughs> um it that that was like uh, i was mind bending and i really didn't enjoy that and I, I i saw people just feeling and looking miserable like they don't have enough time to do x y and z because they have to go to their job they have to provide for their family and what was really interesting was recently um, I spoke with somebody about a guide um, about what I've been able to do in two to three weeks. And I was like in a bit of a slump and I didn't really know how to get out of it. And they were like, wait, you were able to manifest $30,000 in three weeks. And I was like, yeah, but it was like connected to a, they were like, no, 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 you don't understand you helped manifest $30,000 in three weeks. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And it took some building to get up to. And that hack was essentially remembering the vision of where you're going, what you want to see in the world and allow that to align. And then I think right after I shared my vision with this individual, right after the call, somebody said, hey, I have $15,000 that I think you said you need. Or something, and I went, oh, yes, I I do need that. Wow, okay. Um, and then of course, you know, closing the deal was another part of it. But understanding, like, it doesn't take long. It takes a mindset, and it takes a vision, or it takes something that really is part of your heart and your soul and what you need to bring into this world to really understand why you need these resources, not the nine to five understanding why you need the resources. Money, I think, likes to have a purpose to come into my world sometimes. So understanding the purpose of money in your world, I think is a really useful hack in and of itself. You also said something about visioning. And there's a huge cry in my mind for people who can craft a vision well. There are a lot of people who are good at the mission side, the goals, the steps, but not at the why. Not at you, not they can figure out how to make a thousand dollars, but if they don't know why they're making it, I think it goes just as quickly as it can. Exactly. Uh, because then you don't find the sustainability aspect of it. And if it's not a lifelong vision to work towards, then the money will slowly dissipate as well. So what does a lifetime vision look like? It's a lifetime vision that's actually past your lifetime. Okay. Tell me more. Now I'm intrigued. Okay. A lifetime vision that's actually past my lifetime. Yeah, exactly. So it's not... So when you start with your vision, I believe that you should begin with, okay, there's something that I'm good at. And then there's something that I want for the world, right? And not for not my not just my lifetime, but for my kids, for my kids, kids, for um, like four to seven generations into the future. That is what I want to create. That is so strong in the present that it will last 
those generations. And that's the vision that I'm saying, uh, that I'm, I'm sharing the idea that you have the foresight that what if I do this right now? What if I build this within the next nine months so that it launches and then launches into the future for seven generations based off of the impact, based off the wisdom, based off of everything that I'm about to deliver? Is it a presentation? Is it a movie? Is it a book? And then the resources come. So we're going to have to unpack that one just a little bit more. Can you give us an example, something concrete? Because I'm a big believer that I've got the concept of a generation of a seven generation vision. Can you give me a concrete example of one? Yes. So I wrote a speech for a rally in New York City, Queens, during the Stop Asian, right before Stop Asian Hate became the nonprofit that everyone went to, to end the the acts of violence towards Asians in the United States, especially during the pandemic. And there was a lot going on in regards to thinking that we were the virus Mm. instead of we were the people. And some of us didn't even go to China to receive. So we were essentially, a lot of people were being blamed for the virus. And that was bringing out a lot of violence, um, especially in New York City. So what I remember doing was thinking about how I wanted my mother, my nieces, my nephew, my potential grandchildren, generations past, to feel safe living in the United States. Then I wrote a speech. And then writing the speech, giving that speech in Queens, New York, Right after that, delivering that, sending those words to some of my mentors, Jill Lublin, Susan Jim Davis, and then that sparked the flame of the conversations. You saw it all in the press. You saw Stop Asian, hashtag Stop Asian Hate everywhere. And now there is an understanding of what is appropriate. Although the acts are happening, we started the ripple. And I know that it's the, the cases are dwindling every day. So your vision was for the current generations and the future generations to feel safe living in the United States. And from that vision came the words of the speech. Where did the opportunity to give that speech come from? So I am an alumni of Apex. Um, It is a nonprofit in Washington, D.C. regarding um, Asian representation in politics and how to support them, um, support individuals who want to run for office. And one of my um, one of my colleagues that graduated at the same time as I did, she was hosting a rally in New York City. She told me, I was like, hey, if you need a speaker, I'll be there. What you just laid out is something that a lot of people don't understand. When you're in alignment with what's important to you, when your actions have meaning, like belonging to that organization where you all were both involved because there was meaning, there's continuation of a relationship. The meaning of what you're doing the, uh, you know, has to be there. And what we're learning more and more is that for learning, meaning has to be there. So I'm delighted with this story because it illustrates so many of the things that 
you represent what you believe in. This idea of influence through meaning and shared meaning. I think that feeling safe living in the United States is a shared meaning. I'm imagining that it is something that if we did a poll and a survey, everyone who lives here would like to have that experience. Yeah. (laughs) Back when I was studying mediation, it was the commonality between the warring tribes in Africa. The, The ladies I studied with, these little white women that went and mediated between the warring tribes in Africa, let me tell you, bravest people I've ever met. And what they discovered is that the commonality between these tribes was that they each wanted to feel safe. They each wanted their their tribesmen, their families, their communities to feel safe. And from that commonality, they were able to come to peace. When we think about it in the United States, if we could get down to that bedrock commonality, this is one thing we all share. We all share. Not all of us have lived feeling that we weren't safe. And some of us have. But all of us desire that both for ourselves and others. And I think it's just a universal concept. The same way that time is a universal concept and money is a universal concept. Ace, what would happen if we could bring those three things together that we've been talking about? Strong movement. (laughs) There we go. I'm up for starting a movement. Yeah. I mean, I've already got one because I'm on the mission to end teen suicide, which is always, always rock, the bedrock in not feeling safe. And so we've hit upon a keynote that I hadn't even thought about. And I would love to continue the conversation with it. Where does this go for you? You delivered a speech that has had ripple effects. You've written two books on the topic of time being something that it can actually be mastered. You can master your activities in time. You can sort of bend time by mastering systems and expectations. And now we've added the financial piece. And I realized that If we manage all of those, there's a sense of safety that comes with that. Like, I'm never going to run out of time because I've got systems. Well, that sounds like fun. Mm -hmm. All right. So now I'm going to have to read the book. Okay. (laughs) Yes. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because that's just in and of itself. And I've read a bunch of time management books. What I get from you that I have been missing was this understanding that linear time is a terrible taskmaster. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. I Look, I know it works for some people. It does. It really works well for some people. Okay. But not everyone. And I think I see that it works for some people or it used to work for some people in a decade ago. Hmm understanding the times and understanding what people need now is what's really important. I think that if you go down that linear path that was given to you a while back, it's a nice recommendation, but you shouldn't be using it as law. What used to be law 
are now guidelines to explore whether or not they fit. Exactly. For the person who understands their own self, I think it's so important for us to understand exactly what we need. And if something doesn't help you under help or support your needs, it's okay to have a conversation to make sure it does. It's okay to have a conversation to make sure it does or doesn't. Yeah. And then find what will. So that's a big piece. Okay. I'm going to just unpack that because there's so many moments in time where we're like, this doesn't work. And we don't go back and check in. We just react and move on. And sometimes we give up things that actually were functioning. or We just hit a bump in the road. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually ranting about that this morning for my TikTok channel. There are just some basics that people are forgetting in their daily routines. So basics for a daily routine that would set people up for successfully maneuvering in time. Ace, what what are your go-tos? My go-tos? Thank you. Oh, I love that. First thing, schedule your meal times. Oh, really? When it comes, yeah, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I did all this work and I'm doing it, especially now that everyone is like on the run and doing a lot. Schedule your meal times, know what you need to eat, make sure you fuel up because like you can't think on an empty stomach as much as you hope, try and push for. It doesn't work. So we'll come back to scheduling meal times because I got a question about that. But go ahead. What's the second one? Thank you. The second one is a lot of people start getting into this weird moment of like befuddlement and then they get nervous about all the things that they have to do that day, right? Sometimes you don't have to do all of that that day. So the best thing to do is write down all those tasks within the first like hour in the morning, write it all down, and then try to hit as many tasks as possible, knowing that it's okay if it spills over into the next day, as long as it doesn't hit, a, hit the wrong deadline. <laughs> Essentially, don't be late for what you need to do and have it spill over and be like, okay, so uh, sorry, it's had a lot to do four days because like that, that's, that's a little bit. All right. Yeah. So, so maybe you want to prioritize things that actually have hard deadlines that other people are dependent on. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So we'll call that be a good team player with your time management. How's that? Exactly. Yeah. And also, but also um, in understanding being a good team player, you have to to know what you need. Um, Do you need four hours to reset before you start your work week? Do you need to go outside every day and get some vitamin D, which is something that we're starved of on the East Coast sometimes? (laughs) That's why I moved to the West Coast. Um, (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold it. Don't be knocking us East Coasters here. (laughs) You know, that winter is hard. I didn't want to go outside in that cold. But yes, yes. Um, Or do you need to call somebody? Are you the type of personality that needs to call three people a day to feel connected to people and not alone? Do you need that? These are the things that people should really understand so that they know that if they don't have this, they're off balance for the rest of the week. That's really key. I love bringing it back. I recognize something this morning. In that for me to set up for my day, I need to feel like I've accomplished something before I get started with my day. And so I put together a short little list and it's just 
you know, doing the things that I know are good for me and you know, doing whether it's journaling or whether it's meditating or whether it's using um, some of the tools that I have, whatever it is, feeling, being able to check off, I got something done before I actually go to do something that involves brain power, sets my brain in motion in a very positive way. And you just described that really, really beautifully. Figure out what you need, because it's gonna might be very different than what I need. So anyone going to themselves first, what do I need to be successful? You mentioned connection, which I think is really key. What do you need to feel connected? I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I can go for long periods of time without anybody to talk to. I'm good with that. And then when I have an idea, I need a bouncing board. I need somebody to talk to, and I need it then. <laughs> so self-awareness has saved a lot of time for me. Oh, That's I love really it. Cool. All right. We got schedule meals. Write down your list in the first hour, knowing that it's okay if things spill over. Mind your deadlines and team responsibilities, and really get to know what you need. Those are four really cool steps. Anything else before I bring you back to this whole schedule mealtime conversation? <laughs> I love that. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to managing your time, another piece of information is a lot of people think you just need to get your basic needs met. You do need a source of inspiration and encouragement. So wherever you can find that, be that a YouTube video of a motivational speech, um, you know, religion, uh, prayer, go there. Definitely bring that in so that you have not just physical fuel, you have spiritual, emotional, and but encouraging fuel to understand that you're human, but at the same time, somebody else has done exactly what you want to do, and then it keeps driving you towards your end goal. I love that you brought that up. I'm a firm believer that since our brains can't tell the difference between what's real and what's imagined, I realize that my brain will accept as evidence if someone else has done something that I want to do. So if I look for people who've already accomplished what I want, then it quiets that part of my brain that thinks it's so scary. Exactly. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Bringing you back to the thing about scheduling meals. Okay. I've had a lot of people lately tell me that they are doing so much better in life now that they are doing something called intermittent fasting. Mm. And I'm like, okay, where do these two conversations stop colliding? So, or do they? Yes, intermittent fasting. All right. So, it's still, in my opinion, it depends on what your body needs. A lot of people have tried it. I've tried intermittent fasting. I actually do it without thinking sometimes because I can't eat. Sometimes I don't have an appetite. But if it's not working for you and you feel weak, like when I mean weak, I mean like you you didn't get the, the amount of nutrition that you really need to process and be healthy. That's where I'm like, okay, maybe not for you. But... <laughs> You, you can essentially every day, every week, understand these are my meal times. I don't have to eat. Like you don't have to force yourself to stick to those times if your body doesn't need it. But in the moments that you understand, if I do this, I will feel 
better. I'll have more strength of mind. I will need to bulk up, things like that. What I'm hearing is that there might be more than one kind of food or nutrition in play. Scheduling mm-hmm. meal times might be just really about scheduling the time to become aware to put some attention, some focus on what you need, not just physically, but maybe you need some fresh air and some inspiration, whatever you need to feed your enthusiasm. Yeah. Or even a nutritionist. Or even a nutritionist. Yeah. Just just to really understand your body. I, the, the fasting was really, I, I've actually tried it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting because now I can't eat hard food in the morning. Um, or well, I, I could today, but in the past, like in the past, like week or two, I had a really hard time and I started noticing I could only drink smoothies or something, but I knew I needed to eat something. And those little paradigms in your mind, sometimes it like, sounds like that's part of what alerted you to the fact that the energy was so wonky and maybe it was time to move. 100% I couldn't eat. And that was as a Filipino. Yeah. All right. So we've covered a wide variety of topics and a great deal of information for people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the very clear, concise and compelling ways to check in with yourself around time, around money and around community and connectivity. So all three of those, I think, are really, really necessary. And I love the guidance that you bring into the world, Ace. Thank you so very, very much for being willing to share that. Now, before we go, I got to know what's coming up for you that you are celebrating besides moving, okay, maybe unpacking. That could take a while, but yeah. But what are you celebrating? What else are you celebrating? What has got your brain on positive today? I'm celebrating the fact that I had this wonderful vision I mean, don't get me wrong. I have small visions here and there of the next three years, four years. But this, I I had this really large, beautiful vision for not just like one sector of my life, but all sectors of my life, all aspects. And bring it on. Share more. Yeah. It's it's, uh, essentially, I wish I could say more. It's an event that I'm going to be creating very soon. And uh, with a bunch of people that I do know, and I'm excited to share a stage with Jackie. I hope you're there. I know you'll <laughs> um, based off of what I saw. And uh, that's been bringing me in such a good place because I felt directionless for a little bit after I was completing a bunch of other little visions. Now this bigger one, I'm, I'm really stoked and excited. All right. So timeline before you can share any information with the public. I know you're going to share information with me because you just invited me to be there. I heard you. So, yeah. yeah. So, so when can we break the news to the world? That is a very good question. I believe the launch date for the event should be nine months from yesterday. Ooh. Well, you guys, you heard it here first. There's something being born in nine months. How cool is that? All right. That's a very time-honored timeline. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So more will be revealed. And Ace, you'll come back and we'll talk more about how all of these things are tying together and changing the world. 
Thank you for being you. Thank you so much for having me, Jackie. And thank you so much for being you as well. This was wonderful. Such a great shared space. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. If you want more, subscribe. Otherwise, we'll see you on the next episode of Your Brain on Positive. Thank you for turning on and turning up your positivity. We know that positivity is easier to maintain in a community, so we have one. Join our community on Facebook, Your Brain on Positive. If you've had an aha from the show, please head over to the community and share it. We love to celebrate wins. 